0: Hi there, I'm Allison Hazelden, former child actor turned marketing consultant who eventually found her way back to acting. Now I'm pursuing my acting career while also teaching other creatives how to market themselves too. Here we talk about the mental, emotional, social, and business aspects of the entertainment industry that they didn't teach you in school. Think of me as your personal cheerleader, lovingly honest business coach, and yogi friend all mixed into one. I'm inviting you to join my circle of friends, both new and old, as we navigate the industry together. This is the It's a Slate of Mind podcast. Hey, gang. Welcome back to another episode of It's a Slate of Mind. I'm your host, Allison Hazlin, and today I am bringing you some priceless wisdom from my friend and Beyond Acting co-founder Alex Collins. We were chatting in a clubhouse room um, a while back, and we ended up going on this amazing tangent about self-taping and the technical um, elements of a self-tape that you can utilize as an actor to really enhance your audition scenes. And so we are talking all about that today, and I think it's really important and really timely. Because uh, as you may or may not know, Self-tapes have been a staple of the Southeast acting market for years and years and years. It's something that is kind of a no-brainer if you've been a working actor in Atlanta or in the Southeast. Um, However, it's still somewhat of a newer concept and less familiar concept to folks who are in other markets like New York or LA and beyond. So if you're in one of those markets, I'm sure that this past year in particular has been a huge learning curve for you regarding self-tapes. And as well, maybe if you're just a newer actor in general in any market. But what we've learned from casting directors, they're saying it every single day on Twitter, you guys, that self-tapes are here to stay. They are not going anywhere. No matter what happens as we continue to move out of this pandemic, they're still going to be used very very frequently as part of the casting process because casting directors in all markets now fully understand the value um, of the self-tape audition both on their end and for actors so um i thought that this would be a great time to bring up some of these self-taping tips and who better to share them with you than Alex Collins. He is an acting teacher in Atlanta out of Drama Inc. He is a career consultant and he is my co-founder at at Beyond Acting. So we talk all about business and marketing for actors. Um, But he is just an industry veteran and a coach and he's working on this stuff with his students every single day. Um, And he was kind enough to share some of his best technical tips. So these tips are all about understanding the use of your frame um, how do you express power dynamics and relationship and just really making the most of what some might feel like is a limitation in a self tape, but can actually create a lot of freedom and a lot of play and creativity and ways to really enhance your audition scene. So I'm super stoked. Make sure you have a notepad ready because you're gonna wanna write these tips down so that you can kind of process them, analyze them, and hopefully apply them to your next self-tape audition. So let's dive on in.
1: So as an actor, part of your technical setup is you have to understand the size of your frame, you have to understand what is going to be seen, and you have to make choices accordingly. So your movement has to be very economical, if you need to show things with your hands, you've got to figure out a way to make it organic so it doesn't look like, hey, everybody, look, I'm showing that I'm frustrated or depressed or suicidal. Look at what my hands are doing because that doesn't become an organic way to do that if you're just showing, if you're just pantomiming or miming or what have you. So there are, there are ways to do that, and you just have to do it in in practice. You have to do it in rehearsal. You have to t- What you would do as the character in an organic normal way, as if you were auditioning in the room or if you were playing the character, and then you have to modify it for the size of the frame. I'm gonna pivot slightly talking about the frame. A lot of times, actors they get their audition sides and it says the character enters or the character exits at the end. And actors sometimes interpret that literally, and they will start off camera and take two steps sideways and enter the frame. Okay, that's fine. You would do that in the room because you're indicating, hi, I'm entering the OR to perform surgery. Okay. But what happens on self tape, that means the first two seconds or three seconds are blank space. And then when you do get into the frame, sometimes it takes your camera as a little hitch it takes half a second or a second for it to get crystal clear in its focus. Well, now you've used two or three of the 10 seconds you have for uh, casting to make their impressions on you. So a stronger decision could be instead of you enter from the side as if you're entering the room, you figure out where your mark is where you're going to deliver your scene and you just take two steps back from there so instead of moving horizontally into the space you're moving vertically into the space hopefully that makes sense in terms of entrances now the flip side of that if you've done a great job and casting is watching all two minutes or two and a half minutes of the scene and then it says she exits frustrated at the end of the scene. A lot of actors interpret that literally and they will leave the frame. Again, if you're in an in-person audition, you're going to leave that part of the room and casting will see your body language. Personally, what I like to do and what I give my students the power to choose to do is just because it says she leaves, he leaves, who says you have to make that decision? So if a casting director is going to see 50 tapes for a particular role, and the first 35 of them leave, leaving a blue background for the casting director to look at for the last couple of seconds, and then actor number 36 decides not to leave, and instead they visually see their scene partner leave. Now we're left with a really strong and interesting visual at the end. Allison, how does that hit you? How does that grab you in the feels?
0: I mean, you know me, Alex, I'm all about making a statement. And uh, I think that is one of the – as someone who did not grow up and start in this business doing self-tapes, that is definitely one of the things that kind of got me on board with liking it a bit more is that I think that's where we can like have our creativity. Like in the room, yeah, you do what the script says. But I think that is a good example of one of those ways that, you know, we can – assert ourselves a little bit in that creative way, but it's also ultimately helping us with our chances of booking.
1: Right, right. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, it has to fit and you have to make it organic. And again, you marry the organic and the technical. If you have a scene for the resident and the last line of the scene is uh, the PA announcer, Dr. Smith to OR2, Dr. Smith to OR2, emergency, you're not going to be like hey guys, I'm just going to hang out at the end of the scene. No, because it dictates that you leave the scene to go save somebody's life. That's a little bit different than you staying to have an emotional, nonverbal moment to close out the scene. So you got to know, again, the genre, the environment, and the world. One of the other things, and this is one of my favorite things to talk about, is using the frame to your advantage again when we're in the room we have the benefit of body language uh but in a self-tape body language is much harder to pick up so i want everybody to think of a self-tape when you watch a self-tape it's a rectangle that you're seeing it's a horizontal rectangle from left to right and that rectangle divides into thirds three vertical rectangles within the horizontal rectangle. The only downside of clubhouse not having visual cues, but imagine, (laughs) imagine the, imagine the Irish flag or the Italian flag, right? It's got three vertical stripes on it, different colors. That's what we're kind of talking about here. And most of the time, 90% of the time, the actor is going to be in the middle of the frame centered on the frame. Great, no problem. That's really important. That's a balanced frame. If you spent the whole scene all the way on the left edge of frame, casting is going to be like, what is that guy doing? Why is he all the way over there? Why didn't he move his camera? Or why didn't he move on the mark and get in the center of the frame? Sure, that makes sense too. But you can use the rule of thirds to your advantage. So let's say it's a scene and i am um a criminal and i'm encountering another underworld criminal in the scene i could do the whole thing in the center of the frame no problem but maybe at the beginning of the scene i'm not too sure about this other criminal yet i don't want to get too close i don't trust him so subconsciously i'm going to frame myself slightly farther away from my eyeline person. So if my scene partner is on the right side of frame, I'm going to set myself up closer to the left side of frame, creating negative space on camera between us. As the scene progresses, maybe I warm up to him or I start to trust him. And so I gradually get to the center of the frame. And then at the end of the scene, I've decided I'm going to intimidate the hell out of him. And so I actually moved to the right third of the scene, which is the same side as my reader. And now I'm much, much closer to him. So I'm using geography within the framing to now create a moment of opportunity to intimidate. I love
0: that example.
1: Yeah. Awesome. I love that. And so it brings me to my next point. And if you guys take away nothing else from today, take away the next 10 okay, seconds. Okay, wait,
0: pause, pause then. I'm going to give another little point of clarity. Um, so okay. in the example that that Alex just gave, I think it's important to note that you know, and I'm just going to really dumb this down just to make sure that it's really clear. He was using his physical space to represent the power dynamics that were shifting throughout the scene. Um, So that's really great for any sort of power dynamic or any sort of shift in power that's happening um, or a sense of like discovery. Um, That is a really great way to physically represent that. Um, And there are quite a few different like acting... Um, techniques and things that kind of go into that a bit more, but that's basically like where he was pulling that idea of using the space from was directly from the context clues um, and the plot in that scene. So just a note there.
1: Thank you, thank you for breaking down into layman's terms because that's really helpful. Yeah, you're you're a great you're a great cleaner cleaner upper batter cleaner upper. Um,
0: that's what so I'm here for.
1: Teamwork makes the dream work. So. Yes, if you if you take anything out of today's chat, take out the next 10 to 30 seconds. What we're talking about with that framing, I call the three eyes of geography, the letter I, the three eyes of geography, intimidation, interrogation, intimacy. Once again, that's the intimidation, the interrogation and the intimacy. So using the example of using your framing, let's say I'm on a first date. it's a blind date. And as the scene progresses, I go from nervous to comfortable, to flirtatious, to I walk my blind date home at the end of the scene. And I don't know if I want to kiss her or not kiss her. There's the awkward moment. Do I lean in? Do I not lean in? Well, I can use my space. Now I'm not using horizontal space, I'm not using the left third, center third or right third of the scene. I'm actually physically moving closer to the reader, which in turn moves me closer to the camera. Because you don't have a camera person, you don't have a director of photography on your self tapes, no one should be zooming in. So you have to create your own close ups. So these three eyes of geography allow you to give yourself vertical movement. What we were just talking about before was horizontal movement with the thirds. We're now talking about vertical movement. So I'm going to step in and whichever side of the camera my reader is on, I'm going to lead with that foot. So it's a straight line. That way I'll create a direct line closer between me and my reader as if I'm going to lean in for the kiss or that that last moment of chemistry at the end of the night. And I'm creating my own close up, essentially. So that would be an example of intimacy. The example of intimidation was the aforementioned example I gave with the two criminals. They're they're sizing each other up. They're not sure, but I want to flex my muscle and threaten the guy. He better work for me. You better work for me, dude, or else I'll kill you. I'll leave you dead and buried out the desert. So I do the same thing. I step in with the foot closer to the reader. And I achieve my goal now if your scene is three minutes long you probably don't want to step in 90 seconds into the scene because then you've got 90 more seconds where you're either stuck there way too close or you have to figure out an organic way to get back out to a regular stance a regular framing so it's really powerful when you use it just in the last few beats of a scene Imagine when we watch TV, they use those close up moments right before they cut to commercial or right before they leave us with a cliffhanger on the episode. So that's intimacy and that's intimidation. And then the third one is interrogation. Think about all the procedural shows out there. Law and Order SVU, Law and Order Tulsa, Oklahoma, Law and Order Winds, Alabama. There's all these different shows, right? CSI's, NCIS, all of those. And they always have witnesses, potential guilty person, legitimate guilty guilty person. And the cops or the investigators, they lean in, they, they pressure the guy, they bully the woman to get her to confess, whatever it is. And so you can use these a lot in interrogation type scenes. Allison, the three eyes make sense to you?
0: I think they're crystal clear. I love it.
1: Great. So we'll just do a quick review. With respect to your self tape setup, you've got horizontal movement, which is where you divide the frame itself into thirds. 90% of the time you're going to be in the center third, but you can utilize horizontal geography to your advantage when you want to create distance distance in the relationship distance emotionally distance with the geography. You'll be in the third farther away from the reader. When you want to create a moment of romance or intimidation, might you might use the third closest to the reader. That's your horizontal movement. Then there's the opportunity for vertical movement. Most of your scene, most of your audition is going to take place right on the mark. Wherever you at the scene, that's pretty much where it takes place. But then with the three eyes of vertical movement, you've got intimidation, interrogation, and intimacy to take advantage of a step-in or a lean-in, just a great way to kind of close out the scene the way you want it. And it's gonna separate you from all of the other actors out there doing it. If you can combine the organic and the technical, it will look seamless, it will look smooth, and it will look just like we're watching a finished product, which is what we want.
0: And there you have it, guys. I love getting to go off on these tangents. We don't always talk about the technicalities of like the craft and auditioning here on It's a Slate of Mind, but I think it's really important, especially with some of these um, more technical aspects, right? Because in a way, that's a totally different skill than just acting, right? It's working with your equipment. It's getting creative and kind of playing in a way that, that many of us who are used to traditional auditioning in the room... Aren't particularly uh, used to thinking about, so I think it's really important, and um, just to also realize that there are evolutions in the self tape audition practice. I think we'll continue to see it evolve, and it's important to stay up to date and know, um, you know, what the trends are, what casting wants to see, and so on and so forth. But um, if you ever want to work with Alex, get a consult from him, get coaching by him. Um, you can check out his schedule on his website, www.alexbcollins.com, um, or you could join him for a class at Drama Inc. because he's teaching all the time and he's a really great coach. So I um, hope you enjoyed this episode, guys, and we will be back uh, with more of our usually scheduled programming uh, on the next one. Have a beautiful rest of your day. We just flew through another episode of the It's a Slate of Mind podcast. Consider that another check off your to-do list today. Want more from the podcast? Get more tips and tricks, free resources, courses, and inspiration at allisonhazelden.com. You can also get connected with the It's a Slate of Mind community on social media at It's a Slate of Mind.